All right, guys, welcome to today's show. Joining me is fellow Sportsman's Empire podcaster, Andrew Muntz. What's going on, dude? Living the dream, man. What's 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 good with you besides sick kids and, and life? Dude, it is it's all about sick kids right now. Like we talked about before before we recorded, I woke up at twelve thirty to my daughter throwing up. Then again at two with her throwing up, then at four with my son throwing up. Got them all sorted. They threw up again after we like fully woke up for the day. And then my dog decided, hey, I'm going to chug the entire bowl of water. And then he threw up. And I'm like, dude, a pregnant wife, two sick kids, a dog that just puked. What else is going to go wrong today? But that's where you start drinking. And you're like, if, if you're out puking, I'm going to throw, I'm going to jump in too. So yeah. <laughs> I'm going to join the party. No, that we did that. And then I had to, I had to drop my trailer off today. So we went and picked up a side-by-side yesterday. Super pumped about that. Got a new Polaris Ranger and got to drive it for like 20 minutes. Not even 20 minutes. We did like one loop around our field. And so then when I went back out there today, both the kids went back to sleep at like noon. And then I went out there, dropped my trailer off, and then rode the side-by-side for a bit. So it wasn't a total waste of a day. Yeah, there you go. You got, got to clear your mind a little bit. So, Yeah, I'm just glad that it wasn't. I was going to go hunt this morning, and it would have been a really big bummer if one of my target bucks was on camera while I was supposed to be in the stand. But luckily, that didn't happen. Tell you what, man, I, I would love to have been back out in the stand this morning. Like we had um, where I'm at about an inch of snow. Uh, I don't know if that was, let's say, Wednesday. That might have been like, Monday night, but I would have loved to have been out there and just had a little bit of a backdrop, you know, that was helps spot and everything else. But dude, I just wish I lived somewhere where we actually got snow. We get ice here and that's it. Ice here and that's it. It almost feels like a fluke anymore. Last last year, though, I think it was about this day or a couple days from now, we had that bomb. What was it called? The bomb cyclone. Where it, was, <laughs> yeah. it got the negative 35 here and it was funny i was at the gym the other day and i was talking to the guys i'm like okay it, it was 35 degrees monday or whatever day it was I'm like guys it feels cold out like you realize last year at this time it was 70 degrees colder like think <laughs> about that That's crazy and uh yeah just couldn't wrap my mind around it but whatever no that thing hit most of the country we here in missouri man they don't know what to do with snow if if we're going to get an inch of snow every news channel is like fill your bathtubs with water in case your pipes freeze. The kids had almost two weeks off of school last year. And I don't think throughout the entire season, we got more than three inches. So I'm like, this sucks. Like you guys got to figure out how to remove like a snow or a a leaf blower. You could have probably cleaned the roads off. Yeah. I hear you. I was down in Fort Worth, Texas one time when, same type of thing. The whole all morning, it was talking about how to, you know, put kitty litter in your car and your chains on your on your tires. I'm like, guys, there's not even anything out here. What are you doing? But yeah, whatever. It's interesting being like coming from a place that's used to a lot of snow down to here and watching people freeze up. I mean, like 25 miles an hour on the highway, and I'm like, you realize you can go full speed, right? But they do that. They do that if it's raining. Right. I'm like, I Missouri drivers 
I'm pretty sure are known nationwide for their bad driving skills. Yeah, it's funny. funny so. Dude, so how's the hunt been this year, man? Because it's been crappy here. You know, that's what I hear a lot of people like talk uh, about, oh, it's a weird rut and it's not doing the right thing. From what everything I saw, I mean, it was about as standard of a year as I've ever seen. Um, the first couple times out, it was hot sat through some rain at one point eventually got a little cooler the first week or two in november it was hot uh in the woods and then it was hot like because there was action weather was fine and then um yes yeah, kind of slow trickled off over here in ohio we kind of keep track of the numbers for harvest i think we're up this year a little bit overall uh with this within the state that's a that's a good sign and that means people are killing deer yeah, I haven't looked at the numbers for Missouri. I I have no idea where we're sitting, but they opened up multiple rifle seasons. They had like an early season, an early youth season, then they had the regular rifle season, a follow-up rifle season for any deer, and that was like basically a second full gun hunt. And then they had another youth season and another antlerless season. And it's because I think they had like three counties. I want to say it was three counties that reported CWD last year. And so then any county touching those counties had extended seasons. Gotcha. We have a three deer county over here that's got, it's our CWD zone that they opened it up early and they've got a little bit different rules in that area, but I don't know. Yeah. It's, but, uh, I mean, it's good that you saw normal activity this year. Yeah, and I, I have unique properties to hunt. Um, I, I don't have personally, I don't have a whole lot of land. Um, I got a couple small parcels that I can hunt locally. I won a couple draw um, opportunities, and uh, one of one of the draw, or I guess it's kind of a sign up thing through the county. I didn't even actually go out there, um, but yeah, I, my problem, Dan, is that. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say if it's brown, it's down type of thing, but I get real excited, right? And my first and foremost goal is to fill the freezer. So if if I get the opportunity to shoot a doe, I'm probably going to do it. And uh, so I'm trying to think. I took a couple does on opening weekend. That was nice. that first start. I took, I took one. I, I'm the guy who shoots a doe on November 2nd um, <laughs> because I had the opportunity. Uh and then well, I just took one last week. Um, and yeah, it was so that's four does uh, in Ohio. I had a couple run-ins with decent, decent bucks. And uh, I think that every year there's a learning experience. Something happens, right? Yep. And this year, I just told the story on our show, but I, I've had this property. It's about 500 acre ag field that butts up against a, a river, a creek. Technically, it's a creek. It's river size in my book. But um, anyways, it's a amazing property to hunt. It really is. And I'm start, I had to start to figure out kind of like the thermals of this creek because it didn't matter what direction the wind was going. They eventually went back to the water, the wind did. And uh, that really screwed with me for a while trying to figure out where they're crossing the creek and the pinch points and all this different stuff. But, um, and it's long, it's, it's really north to south. It's, it's 
probably a mile, but it's uh, not real wide as far as the timber goes because right in it's creek creek edge. Um, but there's some CRP. Anyways, I was trying to figure out this whole this whole property. One of the things I did do this year was I bought an e-bike. Nice. And um, part of that, I mean, one of the main purposes of that was to get deeper on this property. I'd never, I'd never gone that far because I didn't want to walk in and sweat too much or drive too far out and spook stuff. So I was like, all right, that's it. We're doing this. And um, the first time I took it out, I drove this the bike a couple miles from the road all the way down this driveway and back in there along the edge of the field and there's a levee that goes up and over towards the creek and um so i'm like all right this looks like a good spot to go up over the levee i had i had theories behind why i should be in this spot and my theories were right uh what i didn't expect was when i went over the levee that i was walking into mom and dad's bedroom and um I don't know who was more startled, right? Uh, I got, I went over the levee. I probably sounded like a bear, uh, which we don't have bears, uh, busting through the brush and breaking sticks. And I'm standing there looking at these two trees. Which one am I going to climb? And I hear something about 20 yards over. I look, I see a doe. And I'm like, oh shit. And my, on my everything's on my back. Everything. Bow, uh, arrows, or quiver like uh, my sticks my saddle or my uh, platform my releases in my pocket i was totally not expecting this and right behind her is the biggest deer i've ever been on the ground with uh, oh, i don't gosh. hunt i don't ground hunt like uh, i'm five foot nothing and any chance i got to get up in the tree and get up in the world i do so all of a sudden i became a ground hunter and uh that deer so they stood there for a while um, and it gave me time to get everything off my back, get the bow out, get my release, which I don't know how I got that done with my hands are shaking and I'm trying to get the buckle put on. But I did. I put the knot or I once put the arrow in and had mud in the knock. So that was about standard. I uh, got that out, got the arrow in. She eventually turned around and walked the other direction, knew something was was up. And he followed her, of course. But he stopped, man, and um, what I thought was probably a 30-yard shot, I pulled up and uh, I let it go. Um, do I wish I could have had that back? Maybe. Um, but in the moment, you know, I'm like, it was, it was what it was. And it was, I, I can shoot 30 yards, and this is a huge deer, and it's quartering away. Like, there was, in my mind, no reason not to take it. And... Um, I saw the arrow disappear, but I thought it went low actually, which never happens because from a tree, I always hit high. If anything, um, I let it go for the, that evening. Eventually long story, long story long. Um, I found the arrow or the, the Luminoc and stuff, and it was lit up and it had blood and hair on it. So I was like, great. I hit that deer, which was sarcasm. At that point, I was really hoping to have just clean missed him. Um, Cause I, I didn't know what, I didn't know what's going to happen. I didn't want to bump them. So I, the next, I called up, uh, we had on our podcast that had the thermal drone deer recovery people. Yeah. I called them up, come out, take a look. And, uh, Clayton came down. We ran that Creek man and, uh, we did not find the deer. We saw a lot of other deer. Uh, we saw scrapes. That's amazing what those thermal drones can pick up uh squirrels in the trees i mean it was incredible but the one thing he couldn't pick up on was the creek so mm -hmm. i don't know if it was the water temperature was warm like 
he was using the red hot, I think. So if you're looking at the screen, anything that's that's hot or has heat with it will be red. Well, the, the creek itself was red. It looked like, you know, bloody, bloody water. Um, and he said, you know, he couldn't pick up if something was in the creek. So I was like, all right. At this point, I mean, that drone cost a couple hundred dollars to bring down. And then I'm still pissed about this whole thing. I hate the idea. Absolutely despise the idea of wounding a deer. So... But I was like, all right, I can't do a whole lot right now. And I think at that point I had to go, I had a doctor's appointment or something. That was a Friday. So then I think Sunday I was mowing the grass and I had this like epiphany pop in my mind. I'm like, that deer's in the creek. He's in the creek somewhere. So I bought a, you know, the cheapest kayak I could find on Amazon, inflatable one. And uh, went back a couple days later when I had time, put the e-bike at, at the get out spot drove up put the kayak in floated the creek didn't find the deer saw it was beautiful little float saw mink saw coyotes deer bald eagle bald, you know all kinds of stuff but like um got out rode the e-bike back to the truck loaded that up went back got the kayak whatever man i tried as hard as i could to find that deer and uh, i'm i i guess i would safe to say he's still alive somewhere or we flew that drone everywhere i don't know how you wouldn't have found him through that but whatever um that was that's about my ohio uh story for the year and i'm probably done our season goes till february 4th but dang that goes long what when did it start uh september 30th i think or october 1st whatever it's like oh it was last saturday in september oh okay so yeah it's it's a it's a healthy season we still have muzzleloader that comes up in uh like the first weekend in january but it's a long season so yeah. did you ever figure out what happened on the shot? Like, was he farther than you thought? I bet I honestly, like I maybe skimmed the underbelly and they could have, the, the arrow could have broken a rock or something. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Honestly, yeah. I, don't know. I, I was missing probably 12 inches of arrow. So Dang. he either just got a big belly ache or I just missed somehow and skinned the belly. You know, he did hop. He didn't sprint away. He hopped away with his tail down. Which at the time I was like, oh, that's a good sign, but I don't know. Dang, man. I I have yet to see the drone deer recovery stuff in action, like in person. You'd love watching it online. It blew my mind. And I'm like, I'm just I'm just waiting for the prices to come down on that setup and then I'm gonna get my own. Yeah. No, it's sweet, man. And I mean I the guy the problem is for people like us. They're busy time of the year is when you're hunting. You got to find somebody who doesn't like to hunt. You know, yeah. the guy came out for me and he's like, I'm like, dude, it's a Saturday, you know, Friday morning in the middle of the rut. Like, does this suck for you? He's like, yep. <laughs> I couldn't do it. All right. If you're not using Tacticam's reveal cell cameras on your hunting property for scouting or monitoring the wildlife, you are seriously missing out. When you pair that with the reveal mobile app, you can see the action as it's happening no matter where you are in fact i've got trail cameras up in wisconsin on the land that we hunt and not only do i get pictures from those cameras sent to me i can also track the progress of the camera the battery life how much memory is left on the sd card and i can see what the weather's doing at the time that a picture is taken so i can't think of a better tool for scouting whether it is close to home or in a totally different state so if you want to stay tuned into the action or just get into the action, go to revealcellcam.com or tacticam 
nomadic.com and use code nomadic for 10% off at checkout. If you're an avid listener of this podcast, you've probably heard me talking about Infinite Outdoors in the past. Infinite Outdoors is expanding access for hunting and fishing on private land across the country. From whitetail hunts in Missouri to waterfowl hunts in Wyoming and pheasant hunts in Colorado, they provide access to over a million acres of private land listings for all types of hunting and fishing. Best part is, it's incredibly easy to browse and book properties all on the Infinite Outdoors app. The app is free to download and easy to use. All you have to do is sign up and you can browse over 250 different adventures across 10 states. Download the app today and use Nomadic 15 for 15% off your membership. Shopping for the perfect gift can be a total pain. Luckily, Vortex makes it easy and has something for everyone. Whether it's a stocking stuffer like a Venom Red Dot or a bigger gift like the Fury Rangefinding Binoculars. But my personal pick this year is the Razer HD 13-39 by 56 Spotting Scope. It's compact, I can take it anywhere, and it's at the top of my list. So no matter who you're shopping for, gift giving just got easier when you enter code NOMADIC10 for 10% off your apparel order at eurooptic.com. And now, let's get back to today's show, presented by Vortex. No, I couldn't. I couldn't run a business like that. That the, that the most, um, like when you're required the most is right in the middle of the season. But right. I just want to. I want to run one of those and see what's on the property that I don't see, because I see a lot of stuff from my stand. I see a bunch more on my trail cameras, but talking to people and hearing them like, dude, we went out there and he flew it up and 40 yards away, there is a mature buck bedded down, you know, like while we're standing there talking and then to see like deer after deer after deer all over the place. I've used thermals for hunting. I mean, like we used thermals when we went down to Oklahoma and that's one thing, but to have like an aerial view from a helicopter, essentially, I can't imagine. I'll tell you what, man, like that is, um, you have to sign the waiver, you know, that you're not going to use anything that you see to, you know, pursue animals illegally and all that kind of stuff, which I get. And that I'm totally behind that. But what you see is incredible. And the fact that you don't disrupt the area, right? I could have gone back and hunted that area the next day, uh, or, you know, that afternoon, you're flying over these deer. They don't even pay attention. I think there's a couple of them that might've looked up like, what's that? But they don't jump. They don't spook. And, um, you just, yeah, you it's not like a dog or tracking your scent in there. I mean, you're not bumping anything. Just, they just hang out and do their thing. I got, I got one sweet video actually. I mean, it was two, but it was all in one flight out at the main property that I hunt. I also rifle shoot a lot. So I was out there just plinking at like 400 yards messing around. And I was like, man, I'm going to get some cool shots of like from where I am all the way to the target. And then right before I was leaving, I was like, I should fly it over the beans right now. I think it was like early July. And I'm like, dude, I just need to fly it over there. It was 900 yards away. And I flew it over and there were seven does in the bean field. And this was middle of the day. And then in the neighbor's uh, in the neighbor's field, he hadn't, I don't think he planted anything and I saw four bucks and I'm like, no way, man. Like you would have to be in a very specific spot in a tree in order to see all of that. 
and I could see it all from one spot. And so then I was like, I'm going to fly down a little bit lower, get a good look at these bucks. Well, where they were, it was right next to the road and a car came by and the bucks took off. And then I think that kind of alerted the does to like something's up. They all just took off. And so I was like looking at the does and I did see one doe lift her head up. Like, what is that thing? But we also, right. I mean, I'm 10 minutes from an airport, so they're used to hearing loud noises and seeing things flying. Um, but yeah, dude, I think the technology is hopefully not going to get banned as far as recovery goes, because at the end of the day, every game agency should want you to have the best chance of recovery. But yeah. I could see it getting out of hand in a hurry, and I guarantee there's already people using it illegally to go and, and take out target bucks. You know, but it's like anything. Like we had the thermals down in Oklahoma, right? And I, I'll go out and coyote hunt. This summer I was out. I'm skiing and looking for coyotes. And you, you, I ran across a group of bucks that were three or four shooters. I mean, like if it's in season and all that kind of stuff. Anybody, you, know, you can take thermal stuff. You get illegal and make that illegal too because yeah. you can be out. It's That would be a poacher's best tool, right? But um so i don't know there's there's goods and bad the other thing about the the thermal drones though i'll tell you um especially if you're near a property line with somebody who's kind of an asshole uh in ohio you don't have to have any permission to fly that over over the their property so oh, that's cool we were able to check, check the lines and stuff like that without being um knock on doors and stuff which in that situation I described earlier was very important because that person would have been very difficult to work with, but yeah. Have, have you so. seen the, uh, Instagram page? I believe it's called bums versus drones. And no. this guy just flies, <laughs> he flies his drone over homeless camps and these guys are like flipping it off and throwing rocks at it and throwing sticks, trying to get <laughs> it down it. I don't know how it just randomly came up on my page. And I watched it and I was like, this is pretty funny. Like there was one person, they were in like a, they were in like a motel, like the two story, like every cops episode has this motel on it, you know? And there's like the outdoor walkway railing. And there was this one right. lady and she was just jamming out dancing for this drone. And I'm like, who, who comes up with this stuff online? Like bums versus drones. Oh, that's great. Dan, I, this is why I like talking to you, man, because we go from deer to um, bums versus drums, you know, just like that. <laughs> yeah, dude, it can it can go any direction in a hurry. Uh, you, I want to yeah. I want to hear more. We chatted a little bit the other day about some success you had in Michigan, though. And it was kind of cool because you had island success. And I had my first whitetail hunt on an island this year and found success. And so... I want to hear how yours all played out because from what I understand, you shot a tank for that area. It was a, it was a good size buck. Um, so this is the second year we've gone up to Drummond Island, Michigan. And I don't know if you've got any listeners or people that hunt Drummond Island. I'll tell you, it's a weird place. Um, the island itself is on the far east side of um, the UP of Michigan. Uh, for us, it was like a nine or 10 hour drive to get up there. But you got to take a ferry to get over to the island. Um, there's no bridge or anything. I'll be real honest with you. I'm not sure I quite understand their, their deer management over there. And it's nothing against the state of Michigan. It's more of 
whatever people are hunting up there. But the island has wolves, bears, uh, I was told moose, um, cougars, whatever. It's got it all, right? It's got a little bit of everything. It's a unique place. The habitat itself, you can be in hardwoods that look just like central Ohio. You can be in aspens. You can be in uh, cedar thickets. You can be in the swamp. You can, I mean, there is so much different like habitat. And a lot of what I saw, I, I tried to hunt, I'm trying to think the first, we were there basically hunted for two and a half days. The first day and a half, I would consider what I was in hardwoods, but it was next to some aspen. Like it was kind of like a three-way uh, habitat intersection and there's a pine area and those deer come out of those pines and they go right back in uh you barely saw them for a second they i don't know they come out just piddle around and go back in so they seem to be a little skittish at times um probably because there are predators like in ohio we don't have any predators uh maybe coyotes but um no real predators to the deer and um the other, the other thing I'll tell you is that there's doe up there that are just feeding on the side of the road all day long, mm. all day long. Uh, there are doe everywhere. There are antler point restrictions up there. Um, so that's different for us in Ohio. I know you guys in Missouri have them, but like um, you have to shoot one. It has a three on the side to be a legal buck. And the first day and a half I was out, all I saw were spikes, right? You didn't see any big big boys cruising. And that would have been November 15th and 16th. So you're really still kind of in that rut phase in theory, um, unless it was some kind of fluke up there. But um, after the first day, we had a camp there and I think we had five guys total. After the first day in the county we were in, I believe there were 59 antlered bucks harvested. Dang. And two antlerless deer <laughs> the two antlerless deer were in our camp okay uh it's a draw <laughs> system for, for doe tags uh they only give out a thousand and i think what i was told is last year there was 22 of those thousand tags were actually uh reported jeez so this is just my theory and um, my understanding of biology but uh they don't take any does right they don't take enough in Ohio, we really strive for about a 50-50 break, and we get pretty close um, just to try to manage the herd a little bit. And I'm sure if you talk to our biologists, and we have, I mean, they want us to take more does. We have too many deer here. Anyways, to me, there's way too many does on that island. The bucks don't move. The big ones don't move because they don't have to. Um, yeah. And what we figured, what I figured out this time is, so this would have been the afternoon of the second day me and one of the other guys said all right we're not having, we're not seeing anything let's let's go to this other part of the island there's a more of a swamp type feel um we had uh, we drove the truck over there got on the e-bikes rode those a few miles back dumped the e-bikes then hiked back in i think we're about a half mile or so off of this trail <sighs> dan it was one of those it was one of those days man where in the, in my mind, nothing is going right. Uh, I'm with this guy named Glenn. Glenn. Glenn's going that way. He's going north, and I'm going west. He's like, just go find a tree over there. I mean, there's deer shit everywhere. Like, you got great sign. Glenn had a trail camera up there that he had pulled a, a few days prior, and he had decent bucks this this fall in there. Um, 
and other things. And uh, anyways, he's like, just go that way, find a tree, we'll climb it, and uh, we'll stay here the rest of the night. I I want to say it was about two thirty, three o'clock when I was mulling around looking for this tree. And I thought Glenn was going to get in this one that was pretty close to the swamp edge. Anyways, I go, I start walking, can't find a tree to climb, man. There's, it's aspens, and then there was pines, and like, I'm not climbing a pine. Um, and then the aspens look just, there's like a lot of down to aspens. So even a good size one, I'm like, I don't know if I trust this thing, right? Um, so I go back towards where Glenn was, where I thought Glenn was going to be. Well, Glenn wasn't there. And I'm like, well, hell, if Glenn's not here, I'm going to climb this tree right here. And it's right next to the edge of the swamp. And it's one of those things. I'm climbing. I drop a stick, um, go up a little further, drop my glove. I'm like, this is stupid. <laughs> like, just get set and just sit up there. And so I finally did. I didn't mean I didn't put my back strap thing on. I didn't put my knee pads on. I'm like, we're just going to sit here. It is perfectly quiet. Um, there is no airplanes. There's no trains. There's no dogs barking. No school buses. Nothing. That I mean, it was dead quiet. Um, enjoy it, right? And I kind of had told myself, you just gotta just enjoy it, man. Chill out and and relax. I run a little bit high strung most of the time, so <laughs> it was one of those times where I was just like, just just chill. Um, about ten minutes after I told myself that, I hear this slosh, 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 st- stop. Right, and I'm like, oh, something, something's over here in the swamp, and um, I kind of er, like a week earlier, I'd been busted by a good buck in Ohio because I turned around probably too fast. So at this point, I, that's like fresh in my mind. I'm not moving at all. I'm just like barely, barely tipping my head, and then I hear slosh, slosh, slosh again, and it was loud, like. You think about deer in the woods and you always think about them being ninjas and you don't hear them coming or anything like that. It was loud. I'm like, is this a moose? Then I'm like, is it a bear? Is Glenn in the marsh? Why is Glenn in the marsh? Like, what are we doing here? Um, And then I I think the third time I had stopped again, that third time I hear it sloshing through and I I catch the movement. I'm like, I look up, instantly knew that this was a legal buck. for michigan and i was like well this is it man you gotta you gotta do it so pull up uh, it was rifle season pulled it up um and put him down he turned or i pulled the trigger he he turned and and he had his leg up kind of like whatever being the head case that i am everything flashes back so it's like did you hit him in the toe like did you hurt his paw because <laughs> you know his hoof uh because of like, you know, the one earlier, I just, I was, I always get real nervous after I shoot him. If I don't see him fall, it's like, uh, what yeah. are we going to find him, right? Well, all of a sudden, Glenn comes wandering back from completely different direction. And I'm like, where the <laughs> hell have you been? I thought you were like, anyways, he's like, well, I heard you shoot. And then I, you know, whatever. So I'm like, well, let's get down and see if we can go find him. At this point, it was about four o'clock. By 4.30, we had found the deer, and he didn't go far. He ran 50 yards from where I shot him, back to the edge of the marsh, piled up in some trees. Good buck. It was like a for up there. Nine points, I think, total. I mean, it might be a 120-inch deer, maybe, but that's good for up there because you just, I mean, at least you have to go find him. Yeah. I think that the, the best part of the whole thing, though, so we're standing there, 
Glenn's like, all right, here's the deal. I'm going to try to go get the, I'm going to ride the bike back. I'm going to try to get the truck as far back as I can get it. So we can, you know, get the game card out and just make the whole process easier. He's like, you go ahead and gut it. And, uh, where should make sure you got your gun close because, uh, you know, just remember that trail cam over there had like a pack of five wolves that came through here last week. I'm like, Oh, thanks Glenn. Like <laughs> leave me out here with the dead meat. Right. And yeah, uh, make me real. pull it back. Uh, you know, and I'm like, I'll oh, just get it gutted. At least give them something to, to work with. Uh, and I'll start pulling. And that, oh, it was a terrible drag through over these trees and down timber and everything else. And, and then I look, and I'm like, oh, I got a blood trail coming. I'm like, ah, you're not hiding this from, <laughs> from any wolves. Uh, and again, like any, anybody who hunts areas with wolves or bears or anything, they're probably like, oh, you're just a big sissy from Ohio. And you're right, because we don't have that kind of stuff. Like, um, not not something I'm used to. And uh, eventually we did get them out. It was it was a hell of a drag and uh, got them back to camp. But And, of course, like at camp, we had run out of water. Uh, bought, we were working off a bottle of water. I had run out of bottle of water like prior to going out for this afternoon hunt. So I had nothing to drink. I was thirsty as hell. It was uh, <laughs> it was quite the deal, man. Dude, I've had it's so funny hearing somebody else talk about their struggles in the woods because I had I had a spell in my saddle this year where it seemed like I couldn't hold on to anything. Like everything fell out of the tree. And one day I was videoing. I'm like, all right, dude, I'm going to get better. I'm going to video myself and like self film a bunch. And I'm sitting there and I'm talking to the camera and I'm like, you know, I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to grunt, snort, wheeze, rattle, do all this stuff. Well, I didn't have my, I didn't have my antlers with me. I just had like that rattle bag. And so I'm just like smashing this thing together. And in my mind, I'm thinking I should hook this to one of my gear hooks on the tree. And I'm like, no, because then I'm not going to be able to move with it, you know, kind of send the sound in a certain direction, you know, if I want to turn around and hit that field more with the sound. And so I'm like smashing this antler bag together. And all of a sudden it's just like, boof, just launches out of my hand. And I'm thinking, well, that sucks. That was a really short rattle sequence nothing's going to fall for it. And then sure enough, five minutes, I'm, I'm like, do I get down? Because I wanted to call more. And I'm like, do I get down or do I stay in the tree? You know what? I'm just going to hang out for a second. And I hear crunch, crunch, crunch. And you know, like you can tell what animals are coming based on the cadence a lot of times. I mean, it's not foolproof by any means. And I'm like, dude, is that a freaking coyote? And I turn and sure enough, here comes this coyote. It like came straight. This was like almost immediate after the call sequence. And he's coming in and he's very curious, like looking around. Is there an injured deer in here? And hmm. I'm like watching it and I'm like, there's no way this coyote's going to give me a shot with my bow. Like it's, I don't, I don't often get shots at coyotes when I see them with my rifle because of where they are, or how quick they are. And this thing just came in curious. It stopped at 20 yards behind a tree. And I'm like, oh, dude, I'm, I'm smoking this thing if it steps out. And so I draw back. It takes one more step, but it's like head on. I mean, straight on frontal shot. And I'm like, I couldn't care less. I'm putting it right through the chest of this coyote. And I, I let the arrow fly and it just drops in its tracks. And I'm like, 
what the heck? Like, did Yo, I just Keanu, Keanu Reeves on you? Yeah, dude. I'm like, did I just smoke that thing in the forehead? I don't know what <laughs> happened. And so I'm like sitting there and I can see my knock, but I mean, the coyote's laying down, so I can't tell where it's coming out of. And I'm like, well, now I have to get down out of the tree and move this coyote out of the way if I want to keep hunting because I had like two and a half hours left of the hunt. And so I climbed down out of the tree. Luckily, I was still able to grab my rattle bag. I go over and I didn't hit it in the head. It went straight through the chest of it. Oh, you did hit him. Yeah, straight through the chest and out the back. Like it, it hit and it looked like it deflected and went out the right side of it. And I don't know why, dude. It just dropped. It didn't catch the spine. It didn't catch, huh. I mean, nothing that in my mind would cause a coyote to just drop in its tracks. So, um, but yeah, I dropped that. Then one day when I did have my antlers with, I've got them, you know, tied together with 550 cord, like a two foot loop of 550 cord. And it's just like a cinch knot. And I'm like smashing them together. And I go to hang them on my gear hook. And one of, one of them, I was like rattling too hard or something. And it loosened and that thing dropped all the way to the ground. And I'm like, dude, if I drop anything more, luckily I didn't drop my phone. I didn't drop any weapons. So those are the big ones, but it just seems like when you get in, <laughs> you get in one of those like weeks of hunting that just seems like nothing can go right. I'll be in my stand and I've got a buck on the other trail camera on a different property. That seemed to be most of my season here in Missouri. All right. How many of you guys hate dealing with tangled up rope, trying to untie it? It's all knotted up and you actually really need it at the time. Don't raise your hands because I obviously can't see you, but those days are long gone. Rapid Rope is a quick deploy rope solution that you can pull the length you need and cut it all with one hand. You don't need knives or scissors or a lighter to singe the end because it's cross-threaded to keep it from fraying. Yeah, they've thought of everything. And this is way stronger than your average 550 cord. In fact, this is 1,100 pound test. It comes in a shatterproof canister that you can fit in the cup holder in your vehicle or your backpack or I don't know if you still wear cargo pants, any one of the thousand pockets that you have. It comes in a 120 foot canister, a 70 foot canister, and you can get a rope refill. So just in a matter of seconds, you could be deploying and cutting rope with one hand again. So if you want to stop dealing with the headache of untying rope and detangling everything, anytime you need to tie something down, go check out rapidrope.com and use code NOMADIC for 10% off at checkout. All right, guys, I've got to tell you about some of the new XOP products that I've been using this fall, and some of them I use in kind of an unconventional way. First off, I use the Mondo Saddle, but I also use their Turkey Hunter Vest, and I take the Cold World Stand, put it in the back of the vest, and carry it in that way. Depending on how far I have to pack in, I'll just bring a foot platform, but one thing I've learned is that if I put the seat cushion on the underside of the seat and flip it up, it turns it into a knee pad also, or I can flip the seat down and sit on it like a conventional tree stand. I also use their holster kit clipped right onto my saddle to carry in my climbing sticks while keeping my hands free. If you're interested in getting a mobile hunting setup like mine, go to xopoutdoors.com and use code NOMADIC for 10% off at checkout. Um, the 
I've had more success, I think, in, in moments where I was like, this isn't going to happen or I did something wrong uh, than I have when things go as I would think that, you know, they should. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I completely understand what you're saying there. Yeah, dude, it just keeps you on your toes, man. You you have one of those days. And I do get reminded of that quite a bit. Like I go out and I think the weather is not right. The deer aren't going to be moving. But, you know, maybe it's my only day that week that I actually have free to hunt. And then you see one deer. And like I had that happen where I just didn't think anything was going to happen this day. But I wanted to be out in the woods anyway. And I had a doe come through. Totally surprised me. And in that moment, I think, dude, it could change any second. Like every hunt could turn in a second. Absolutely, man. It doesn't, you never know. You never know. So, yeah. Are you, uh, yeah, that was, uh, are you going to go back to drumming next year? Is this going to be a yearly thing that you go and do? We'll see. We'll see. I think, I mean, I would play, I guess I would plan on it. I enjoy it. It's fun. It's different. It's hard. It is not standard hunting in Ohio. Um, and, and it's hard just because the, the terrain is weird having the predators, the weird dynamic of the doe population. I, 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 it's, it's tough. So, um, I have no, I had no expectations actually killing the deer there this year anyways, but it worked out. So maybe I should just do that when I go anywhere, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Going with no expectations that way you're not let down. Honestly, that's that's about what I really need to do. I think I put too much pressure on myself if I think I'm going to do it. I went over to Pennsylvania hunting with Mitch. Um, oh, nice. Pennsylvania Woodsman Podcast. And uh, I missed a buck over there. But that one um, that one should have been dead. It was more of uh, he was in this brush and behind a tree. And I couldn't tell what kind of antlers he had. And they got the antler points restrictions as well. So I wasn't going to pull that trigger until I knew he was good. And by the time I figured it out, he was booking and, uh, that was tough. So dang, but I had a lot more expectations of shooting one over there than I did in Michigan and it all kind of went the other way. So, yeah, the, the antler restrictions are always a tricky one. Like if you don't go into it with a, if you're not out there to shoot a monster anyways, like obviously everybody wants that encounter. But like when you actually have to look and know for a fact what you're shooting, that changes a lot. We had to we had to do that with my brother. I mean, in an antler restriction unit for for elk this year, and we saw a bull. We thought you know that might be legal. Everybody got their binos on it, but it wasn't until we got a spotting scope on it that we knew for a fact that he could shoot it. And luckily, I mean, it stuck around long enough for him to do it, but. I don't hunt a lot of antler restriction hunts throughout the year. And I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever done an antler restriction hunt for whitetail. Yeah. So I think, and the other thing for me, like if I live in a state that had it, okay, that's one thing. Cause you can go out to the property and you get multiple opportunities and this and that, whatever. Um, when you're on the road though, man, that's like, you got a window and I'm not driving up to Drummond again. Like that was a, the tag might be good all season, but that's a one, shot deal and uh this year because they always open on november 15th in michigan it was a wednesday and i mean that's kind of a weird day to to open or to set your vacation around and um yeah you had to be back by saturday or whatever and 
back to reality. Um, it just made it, it made it for difficult. Um, you only had so many days to be out there and, and whatever. So, but yeah, that's like, I, I tell you what though, you hear those guys talk about hunting moose and stuff where they got to have a 50 inch spread or four brow tines or whatever, all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, man, I wouldn't ever pull the trigger. I'd be so scared. I was going to pull something that was not legal. Dude, for real. I mean like mountain goat or bighorn sheep. Like, dude, you have to, you have to know for a fact that it's got a full curl or a certain amount of growth rings. And to me, it just seems like it adds so much stress to the situation, so much pressure that I feel like I wouldn't enjoy it as much, you know? Yeah. Well, and I, maybe it's different out there. You've done a lot more of the Western hunting, but like, cause I haven't been out there. Um, it seemed like it might be a little slower paced. I feel like with deer, they're, they're here and gone like quick a lot of times. And you have to make yeah. that decision very fast. Like the one in Pennsylvania, I mean, it was seconds that I really had time to get them in the scope, see you know, where the body was at, and then wait, 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 move your head, move your head. And then we moved his head and he's booking a million miles an hour. It was, you know, five, five, ten seconds somewhere in there. Yeah. It was crazy. It, it definitely is different with with Western big game because typically you have a longer window to look at them. And yeah. with whitetail, I don't hunt over a feeder. I don't hunt over food plots. Typically, when I see a deer, it's like maybe a one-minute encounter, like at on the high end. Usually, they're just yeah. passing through, and I have to get a shot at them. And even my Wisconsin buck this year, my the one that I shot with my bow, that I didn't recover. He was like, I don't know, 20 seconds max. And so like, I got a decent look at him, but I didn't fully know what it was. And then the one that I shot up there with my rifle, that was like five seconds. I mean, he was in stopped behind brush, but staring right up at me. And luckily he couldn't tell what was going. I mean, he came flying in. Cause I think these other guys hunting that Island spooked him. And then all of a sudden he stopped because I was reaching for my rifle and I was like, oh, crap, dude, I can't move at all. And then he started to walk again. And it was like one movement, like pull my rifle around, put it on my shoulder, find Brown, pull the trigger. And that was it. But that's I mean, that's I would say 75 percent of the deer that I shoot are encounters like that, where it's like I don't have a ton of time. Right. And it's only certain times of the year when the deer come in and feed in the beans or something like that, because I say I don't hunt food plots. I hunt over a giant bean field, right. but it's not like they're coming to one spot. Typically they're just walking and grazing or they're booking it through chasing a doe or chasing each other or running from something. And so it's very rare that I have an opportunity, like all the, all the videos that people post about their hunts. I'm like, dude, I can't get 10 minutes of B roll on a deer. I haven't seen a deer for right. 10 minutes straight ever. Right. No, I'm, I'm with you. If you get it, Try to see them as far out as possible. That's the key. But even at that, and it's a lot of times they just randomly are in front of you. But dude, what do you think after yeah, that yeah. hunt about hunting marsh edge? Well, uh, the fact you know what between the marsh edge and then that property here in Ohio along the creek, I've come to figure out that a they like water, um, but they don't care about the noise they make when they're walking through the water down here. Um, I can hear them walking through that creek. They sound like a herd of elephants too. So just from that uh, idea that you can, you know, 
you hear them uh, a lot, a lot easier. I think that that's something you can, you know, work to your advantage. Um, so I'll definitely be doing that more. That marsh edge was interesting because I was able to get so close to the marsh edge. There was a property here in Ohio that I won a, a lottery hunt on. And from the aerial map or the, the you know, Onyx or whatever I was looking at, I, I thought I was right on the edge of a marsh, but I'm not even sure I was because um, it was just really weird, overgrown. I don't know. Um, so I think it's it's awesome. Uh, I, yeah, you don't get a blood trail, um, but yeah. if you shoot them right, you need one um, if they're in the water. But that was definitely I, I, this year. That was one thing I learned a lot about was uh, how important that that water was. Yeah, I think that's something I'm going to focus on in years to come is hunting close to marshy bottoms because it's not something that I grew up doing. You know, I was hunting hardwoods, rolling right. hills, but it seems like a lot of encounters that I've had have been close to a good water source. And then tracking that deer that I shot through the marsh, I mean, it was full on highways. Like you could, you could almost take an e-bike through it if it was solid ground. And I found buck beds a hundred yards out into the marsh. And it would be like this tiny little knob of dry ground. The cattails are still eight feet tall. And there would just be a giant clearing where you're like, there's no other beds around. You know, this is a good buck and he's just hanging out here. And they probably, I mean, if you think about it, it gives them cover. It blocks them from the wind. And then on top of that, like where I'm trying to think where you would have to go to see this deer you would have to be in a drone or a helicopter like there's absolutely no way you could see it from the ground but then i also noticed and i don't know i'm sure there's some type of ecological thing about this but when i walked out in that marsh it was probably 10 degrees colder every time i was in the marsh or sorry 10 degrees warmer every time i was in the marsh than when i was walking through the woods and it could have been the wind. I don't know if maybe like the gases from the from the ground like heated up or if there's just so much like bacterial activity in the marsh that it like has a different heat to it. But it was like noticeable as soon as you walked into the cattails, it was like, wow, it's a lot warmer in here. Interesting. So the um the property in Ohio along that creek, there's a that big CRP area. And uh, I, I use Onyx for most of my stuff, but I, what did I switch over? I, I did download Spartan Forge, I think. I'm not endorsing anybody, um, but the map quality on the Spartan Forge was, was the images at least, was significantly better. And when I hmm. opened that one up, the you talk about highways for deer and that CRP, man, there was like one area, I'm going to put a camera in there next year, but I, in my mind, there's just one spot. I swear there was like six paths coming in. So Dang. I'm going to find a way to stick a, stick a camera in there just to see what's coming through. Right. Yeah. Um, because obviously they're, they're going through there. It was right in the middle of this and there's no way in hell. I mean, you're not, I don't know how you're hunting it unless you're super ground hunter or whatever, maybe with a gun. Um, but I don't do a whole lot of gun in Ohio. So, uh yeah I'm, i understand what you're saying and maybe that's a high spot i don't know i didn't i didn't go in there because i don't want to mess with it but i will in the off season yeah well dude hopefully you get a lot of pictures i'm gonna i'm gonna focus a lot more on water i think and i think island hunting i mean in wisconsin there's got to be 
there's probably a number out there that they've done a study and actually counted the islands. But in the area that I hunted, there were hundreds of islands almost identical to the one that I hunted. This was the first and only island I hunted up there. This is the first and only chunk of public land I hunted up there. And it was loaded. I mean, 70 acre island. We saw 80 scrapes or more. And then when I went back with my rifle in a hundred yard walk, I found 12 rubs and I'm like, dude, there's so much activity. And to think just up the river, there's another 50 of these islands. Like there's gotta be a ton of deer activity all over the place. And I mean, Wisconsin's known for big deer numbers. So, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe it wouldn't look anything like that down here, but also we don't have a lot of islands. So I think it's one of those things, a lot of, you know, people tell you, you got to go where others won't go, right. You got to go that extra mile type of thing. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> there's a lot of truth to that. Even like where I got the one in Michigan, that was not an easy to get out, get, to get out there. And uh, we had that, we've had the conversation in Ohio, we need to take more, more does, um, just to help balance the herd down and numbers down. Um, but it's not easy, dude. The first two that I took, I pulled them out of a ravine. I consider myself in relatively good physical shape and I thought I was going to die pulling them out. Um, cause I couldn't buy, I couldn't drive tractor back there or the side by side or whatever. And I think a lot of times, you know, people just, just get out to the easy edge get in get out whatever yeah that makes your access easy but are you seeing what you should be seeing i don't know i think it's going that going to the islands going to the you know the marsh the swamps getting into the thick stuff it really does make a difference yeah yeah i feel like now with a lot of social media activity with these remote or like solo hunters self-filming guys there's a lot more people doing that type of hunt where they're going deep and especially out West. It's like, you think you think you're deep cause you're 15 miles in and then you see three other people hiking past you. You know, it. I hear stories like that all the time where it's like, dude, we were so far back in. I didn't think a human had ever stepped foot there. And here's like a nutty bar wrapper on the ground, like right That's where we just walked to. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of places, you can, you can just put in that little extra work and probably see more than the average guy, but dude, I don't want to take up your whole night. I know it's getting late. I've, I've got to get up and leave here at 4 AM to head to Florida. So this are we going is, back to Oklahoma next year? We better, man. I had a ton of fun on that trip. That was a blast. Dude. And he's been killing some great deer down there too. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. I, I'm going to tell him, Hey, don't invite us for pigs for the next three years, but let us all come and whitetail hunt it with you. Hey, yeah, no, I want to get back down there if, if it, if it's in the cards. So yeah, it'd be sweet, man. I'd love to hunt again together and uh, especially to get a good group of guys, but dude, before we hop off, where can people find you? Where can they listen to the O2 podcast and uh, keep up with what you're doing? All right, so uh, me and Paul, we run the O2 podcast. It's uh, Instagram is the .o2.podcast. The website is the O2podcast.com. We're on the Sportsman's Empire uh, with Dan. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're around. So I'm not as good at social media as you guys are, but uh, we're, we're there. So 
Hey, I have companies that reach out and they're like, do you actually make any hunting content or is it just marital stuff? I'm like, no, basically just marital stuff. I keep getting banned for anything that I actually post about hunting. So, oh, that's great. Yeah. That's well, great. dude, I appreciate your time, I man. Appreciate it, man. We'll keep in touch. And yeah, we need to start that uh, group text about when we're going back to Oklahoma. Sounds like a plan. I'm in. Sweet, man. Thanks.